Welcome to the future of XYZ. I'm your host, Lisa Grelnick, principal and founder of LVG & Co., an independent strategy consultancy based in New York City. Through quick and candid conversations with innovative leaders, we aim to foster new thinking and explore big questions about where we are as a world and where we're going. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Future of XYZ. We are going to be speaking about the future of augmented reality. Uh, Jay Silvas is our guest. Jay, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Lisa. I'm happy to be here. Well, it's really exciting because you have such an interesting background. I mean, you are a Marine Corps vet who studied, was a signals analyst and an intelligence officer. You have a background studying game design. You've been out in Seattle for the better part of a decade as a developer for all sorts of different startup companies. Um, and when I connected with you or how I connected is, you know, your CEO at Curie, spoke at XRC Labs Demo Day, where I've been a mentor and advisor for the better part of, I don't know, eight years or something like that. And he was talking about Curie's technology, where you work now as a product manager mm -hmm. and UX designer, of translating 2D objects into 3D, specifically for the metaverse, which is super cool. But when you and I started chatting, it was like, well, 3D object design is one aspect, really, of what is yeah. coming we'll just call it augmented reality as a catch-all. Um, talk to me a little bit about your own journey, but also like what is augmented reality? Yeah, I, it's a fascinating space to me for all of the different reasons that you mentioned, whether it's like the video game design background, because it's all experiential design, trying to craft a story for someone to actually go through and have agency and 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 be able to sort of write their own story in which is very different from a lot of the other mediums. Like if you're trying to create a film or write a book where someone's kind of a passive observer. And then the sort of analytical problem solving, um, you know, investigation and research background from that whole signals intelligence side of things kind of gives me a little bit of a different lens. So when I came to Seattle and started really getting into the technology space um, and starting to dabble a lot more in XR uh, or AR, augmented reality, um, and XR being this sort of extended reality catch-all term. We can talk about that. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> um, yeah, so like that, the the interest there was was just innate. I already was deeply fascinated with the effect and the power of virtual reality and these sort of immersive technologies. Um, so then you overlay that with um, sort of the experience I had in the military and then um, working in startups um, and dealing a lot more with AI since over the past half decade. Um, past decade almost now um having really blown up as a space um it just creates an interesting intersection um so the fact that we are taking all of this this content um this data that exists on the internet now and people uh companies like amazon are trying to convert it in a way so that it is spatial it's not just 2d it doesn't just fit on a laptop screen or a tablet or a phone it now needs to be able to interact somehow with the real world um which brings all of these different major players into the spatial realm, meaning they need to start dealing with 3D and video game technologies that have been around for uh, you know, decades, like engines like Unity and Unreal. Um, and it also is converging with this immersive reality domain where people are trying to build more immersive experiences uh, to be able to you know, uh, shop and see different kinds of products, 
or to be able to have an actual immersive like storytelling type experience. So it, it's all converging in a very interesting way. Um, and the other element there that, that really comes into play is all of these different areas where AI um, in its many different forms, whether that's NERFs, um, which I think you may have mentioned earlier, or um, different kinds of computer vision that are all being used to create systems that are just more intelligently interpreting that spatial environment. Um, which is super interesting. I mean, I think about Tesla as an example, right? Like yeah. Tesla is no, I won't say, I mean, it's notorious for all sorts of things as well as uh, very, very proud. But I think one of the things that is really interesting is I think that there's something like 19 or 20 sensors on the car that are photographing mm -hmm. everything in real time in order to enable that, you know, auto, you know, self-driving mechanism that is, to your point, interpreting the outside environment in real mm -hmm. time. Um, and that is its own form of AI. But one thing and, and then the data that that creates and how that yeah. can be utilized later and everything else has all sorts of ramifications beyond security and everything else. But one of the things that you mentioned earlier that I, I do want to touch on, Curie is obviously the company who employs you currently, mm -hmm. but this idea of translating 2D objects very simply using AI as well as other kinds of tools yeah. allows it to convert into 3D, which is, of course, having 3D objects is going to enable us to move away from the computer, right? And mm -hmm. engage with the world through our phones or glasses or whatever it's going to be, some kind of right. tool that layers this 3D but data-driven piece mm -hmm. onto it's like our, a, it's our a metadata right like a metadata layer for the world but for the yeah. spatial layer of the world <laughs> so what are some of the applications that we can anticipate like nearest in i mean we can get into like the future state but like nearest in what are we looking at um i think a good immediate example that comes to mind is something like amazon go tesla is also an example of where some of this these technologies are being used and i think in very near term will be if not already um, will be useful for identifying um, and cataloging different objects and obstacles and things that are in the space around, you know, this sensor array that's just driving down the road. But Amazon Go, I think that's a good example because you're literally talking about um, a store that is just filled. Uh, this building is is purpose built to have cameras in every single different angle, looking at shelves to be able to gather all of this visual data and then process it through these computer vision models to identify and track exactly where each of those objects on the shelf is, all of those different products, so that you can go in there and just tap your phone on the entrance and then go and pick something up. The, this, this computer vision system recognizes that that item's been taken off the shelf and how many you grabbed, and then also knows that like who you are because you have a sort of profile of some sort that's attached to your account. So you're, it just it creates that experience. That you're able to go into the store, grab something off the shelf and leave without having to interact with anybody. <laughs> um, but that's really expensive to do because the entire store has to be built for that sort of purpose. Um, so what we're starting to head towards, um, and this is, I think the upcoming, one of the upcoming Apple devices, which is probably a phone for next year is going to have um, sensors and uh, machine learning models that are built in that actually allow it to recognize objects and map out the environment more easily beyond what like LIDAR um, does right now. Um, which means that you can basically have very soon, you'll be able to have a phone and walk through a store or a space and that device can actually identify and do what that entire Amazon Go store is doing right now, but from an individual device. 
And so you can, you can think about use cases where someone, if we have more 3D objects cataloged in the real world, you can start to build up ways to identify what those objects are and attach it back to all of the data or the digital twin that is the pair of that real world thing. And you stop needing to build these entire sort of outside in tracking systems. And you can instead just use all of the devices that are floating around or the cars that are driving around the street. Um, so, so, and satellites that are floating in space as well. I yeah. Mean Right. You're building I mean, a, like a live stream of the world. <laughs> right. I mean, uh, I mean, just this week that we were recording, obviously, we see the the web telescope sending pictures back from you know the from billions of light years ago, and uh, yeah. so we're we're getting oh data gosh. from all all sorts of places. Yeah. I, I add to that, like deep <laughs> deep galaxy clusters. <laughs> the crazy thing that is that that spot that they pulled that image from is the size of a grain of sand held at arm's length. So it's like. You can literally just look at a single pinprick of light in the sky that is one star and just move over a little bit and look at a dark spot. And like, that's what's actually beyond what's visible. It's insane. It's, it's incredible. <laughs> and I think, you know, I think it leads me actually, I mean, it sounds totally unrelated, but it leads me to what I think is a really important question about what you were just talking about, that the next generation phone or whatever Apple's going to release, because they're talking about this. Mm -hmm. can actually have more power and in your pocket than yeah. say the whole Amazon Go test model. So I want to talk about the test model because augmented reality to me or extended reality or, you know, experiential, whatever, we're, there are mm -hmm. all these different words, you know, 3D storytelling, all of these things that we can talk about. But at the end of the day, we are in such an exponentialization of technology development and adoption phase. And there's so much money in the system as well. Let's just be yeah. honest about that that i think there's a very quick turnover like how do we know i think that's why augmented reality interests me because mm -hmm. you can't like virtual reality metaverse like all of that feels to me very like um almost pop culturally like whereas yeah. augmented reality feels like the truth of what we're getting to whether we're testing and learning and but it will be the evolution it will always stay right. in augmented reality Right. The, so this conversation comes up a lot, even just among the XR or like virtual reality enthusiast space, um, because people often will debate about like, oh, what's going to have more impact, you know, like VR or AR or, you know, what particular technology. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's hard to t say because in the long term, who knows how far VR really gets us. Like it, there's, there's a term floating around now that is called full dive or like a full dive VR experience is where you're essentially eventually able to just replace all of your external sensory inputs with something digital or something through a neural link um a, a brain computer interface of some sort who knows but that's why talking... we want that i don't know but okay keep going <laughs> yeah you know that's like that's probably pretty far out by decades at least um but the near term right now the impact to me seems to be more on the side of augmented reality purely because it's just a lower barrier to entry um, because everybody's devices already support just minimal experiences of integrating digital objects into the you know base reality that we all live in. Um, so augmented reality is just the space of expanding those kinds of technologies that, that sort of augment the real world. Yep. So that's, that's where all of this, you know, creating all of this 3D data and creating digital twins of all of these 2D internet-based objects uh, to become part of more of this sort of like spatial metadata layer. 
it's 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 incredibly mind-blowing i mean i think about there's this amazing uh, i used to give pre-covid this talk mm. um on uh change and calculated risk-taking and i went through like the major disruptors of mankind starting with fire mm. and you know printing press and airplanes I mean, you you know you think about what are the major the disruptors. press yeah. Right. And exactly. And you think about the smartphone, which only came on the scene in like 2007 is mm. when it was introduced. And you think about in the span of 15 years, what's happened. And the, the image that I found that I thought captured this and it talks about the data and, and the, the tetrabytes that have been created and everything else. Yep. Right. Is basically it's like getting imagine get climbing to the top of Everest and being given, you know, handed a jetpack. You know, yeah. you just like keep going straight up. And that's, I, I think it's like a fabulous little cartoon visual that talks about how quickly the pace of technology is evolving, the capacity for data and everything else. And what you've just said is true, which is like anything that is layered into our 2D reality or mm. our reality will augment, right? And so there, yeah. there are ways into this. But you talked about nerfs before. We've talked about spatial computing a little bit. Like what mm. are some of the, you know, less tech technical ways that we can help people who are watching or listening understand what augmented reality can do for them. I mean, besides being like a cool gimmicky thing. Yeah. So that's a really good segue because I was just thinking about um, one of the one of the sort of examples of evolving forward that often comes to mind. And this technologies like nerfs um, starting to become more ubiquitous. And the way that it's going to affect normal people, um, I keep on thinking back to things like um, like Instagram, for instance. It didn't people didn't really know if that had a business model or if that was something that could even work at the time. Um, but it turns out it kind of democratized photography for everyone, right? Because we all had these phones, had existing devices that were available that were easy to use, that all had cameras on them. And somebody then builds an app that makes it so that you can add a shitty filter over your really low res phone camera photos. And so suddenly it made it so that everyone could create art. <laughs> um, and it didn't, it's not that it completely eliminated photographers. There's like still a need for specialized photography, but it completely disrupted that as an industry where only experts could do that. Yes. And I, it, the same thing is coming with 3D, 3D capture specifically. Um, so like back to the specific example of the iPhone that is going to be coming out that has Nerf technology built in, um, it's you're literally using a camera to capture different perspectives or angles from those different photos and then using machine learning um, to actually build a, a representation of that 3D object just based off of 2D photos. So, you, you know, that camera is able to capture a video, video feed in real time. So it's really easy for someone to just say, that they want to take, you know, a, a photogrammetry capture of this apple. Right now, um, it's a different method to actually create a photogrammetry capture of this, but nerfs make it a little bit easier to create a sort of like real-time 3D representation of it. Um, and there's, they still seem to be getting a lot of refinement right now, so they're kind of rough. Um, but it, what it means is that pretty soon we're going to be able to just use phones, like everybody uses their phone to just take snapshots essentially of 3D objects, not just a picture. Right, so, right, that then maps maps it spatially so that it can yeah, be- could be geo-anchored. It could be geo-anchored, geo it could come, it could be packaged with metadata on like what it's interacting with and what stuff it's around. So like if you're a store owner, for instance, and you wanna go and catalog your entire 
uh, like all of your products, you could go around and take captures of all of the different things in your store. Um, and what upload don't... them to your website in the way that people want to see it now in 360 and everything else. Yeah, which is, it's funny because that is actually a, a big part of where like Curie is trying to solve problems right now um, is not just in, in 2D to 3D generation because every, anybody that has spent much time in this space quickly starts to realize that like this is coming. It's getting easier and pretty soon people will be able to do this incredibly easily just by pointing their phone at things. Um, so it's the, the 2D to 3D game is a sort of near-term problem. Um, and then it will become easier for at least people to capture rough models of everything that they want to in the world. I think there will still for a very long time be a place for like high fidelity, photorealistic, you know, professional quality stuff. Um, but that's actually where companies like Curie um, are coming in to try and create a service that that manages those models, those objects, um, that has a whole sort of pipeline built around refining those and being able to iterate on them over time. Um, and then also making them available via an API so that you can just take a 3D model and display it on your website as like a store owner that has an entire catalog. You know, it's totally amazing because I, I actually, in full disclosure, so I, I had worked with a client who, which is why I was so fascinated by Curie for a whole bunch of reasons, called Live mm -hmm. Surface, which is a plugin for Adobe, um, and it's mainly for designers, and it's so that you don't have to do mockups of everything mm -hmm. you do. You just, it's an interface that allows whatever your object is to be rendered um, just at the click, right? But yeah. this is, uh, this is obviously what we're talking about in a very different form, and and the technology evolve so quickly. Um, can we talk about yeah. regulation of this space for a minute? Because it certainly feels to me like it's the wild, wild west data privacy <laughs> and my choice to share my data is already, uh, one could argue, very limited. Um, yeah. how, where Where is regulation coming from and how is it evolving? If, if you can speak to that a little bit. I will right up front say that this is not my area of expertise. Mm -hmm. um, to just as a totally, huge, I think that's big fair. old disclaimer there, because um, we definitely have been, you know, I think us and any other company or any technology company these days should be working with a whole slew of, of lawyers and regulate um, regulations experts to figure out how to actually manage in this space, because it is very much the Wild West still. Um, there's new devices and new ways of capturing reality. <laughs> Um, in all of its various types of information or 3D models or pictures or whatever um, that are coming out all the time. And I think the thing that is clear is that lawmakers, particularly in the US, um, are very behind in understanding the implications of, of what any of those technologies have on society. I, I laugh like, because I always like I always reference when Sheryl Sandberg and Mark Zuckerberg went to Congress <laughs> and it was the most embarrassing, like I mean it was like they didn't even understand how basic business models work, much less the technology. I mean it was it was shocking. Yeah, I mean the, the business models are are not really possible in the past. So it like makes sense that they're kind of foreign, but then the, I don't even think they have a people have a greater grasp what the technology means. Um, because even the people that are making the technologies don't know all of the implications, right. right? Like it's most people just like throwing different ideas at the wall, building something and then seeing how it splashes how and it the shape adopted. that it makes. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Yeah. 
which is really so but the eu is a little bit more on top of things they are definitely ahead of the curve from from yeah. my impression they they seem to be really ahead of the curve at least on being um very conservative about what they allow companies to collect um and then trying to give people a lot more control over the data that they do allow others or entities to use so i think we're going to for the near foreseeable future we're going to be following on that curve to try to catch up um you know wherever wherever it really matches with our principles in the u.s that's a different topic Which, for a different day yeah um, <laughs> um one last question as we think about wrapping up i mean i have so many more questions i have to say but i mean i i'm just going to give you the over under like obviously young people we look at gen z who are digital natives it's the first generation in the world we've ever had who are digital natives most of them yep. born after 1995 which is actually our topic next week um is is really talking about you know these guys were born with smartphones more or less mm -hmm. or they, they they weren't born with smartphones but by the time that they came of any consciousness they had they've been connected their whole life basically right? and so I think about augmented reality and stuff. This isn't coming just for young people because this isn't an adoption, even though right now it is. And we go back to our test and learn. This is yeah. coming for all of us, whether we like it or not. Is that is yeah. that fair? Like what what gets you excited about that and what scares you about that? Well, I am I'm incredible. I mean, I'm generally an optimist. Uh, I, I would like an optimistic realist. <laughs> Perhaps. I say I'm an optimistic nihilist, so. <laughs> <laughs> that one works too. I, I can relate to both perspectives, but I, I mean, I'm incredibly excited about the possibilities. I think as like with all technologies, there's going to be a lot of unexpected and difficult to grapple with problems um, and, you know, unforeseen advantages and, and insights to be gained from all of them. But I'm really excited personally from uh, the perspective of how people are going to use these things to create interesting ways of interacting and experiencing reality. I, I'm really excited about more experimentation in the sort of spatial uh, game um, industry. So like Pokemon Go was a good example where a company came in, Niantic, and created something where it's literally there are things that are geolocated, on the map, people go to that spot and in real life, even though they're on their phone looking at a virtual animal, it's projected through the phone in front of them onto the grass. And there's a bunch of people that are all participating in this huge imaginary or digital rendered event that nobody can see in real life. And then they go and do things like, oh, we're going to set up a store in the same spot that a Starbucks is virtually. And then uh, I mean, I don't know exactly what's going on there, but it seems like at some point every Starbucks ended up with one of these stores. So, you know, there's some sort of deal going on there. So they're, <laughs> they're literally creating it's real estate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're like they're literally like creating new ways of doing business by just adding layers to the world. So I'm, I'm really interested in seeing how people layer stories and, and create a more rich reality with augmented reality. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Well, we're going to leave it there. I like ending on an optimistic <laughs> note. Um, Jay Silvas, thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of Future of XYZ. 
I really appreciate it, Lisa. It's fun. Um, super fun. And everyone watching or listening, this is our second to last episode before we go on August break. So uh, make sure that you uh, subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts or on YouTube. You can also follow Future of XYZ on Instagram uh, or visit future-of.xyz and stay tuned for some highlight reels that we're going to be releasing uh, from our first 80 episodes. Jay, you're 79. So congratulations. Ooh. We made it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and thank you again. And everyone will see you next week. Thanks for listening to the future of XYZ. If you like what you've been hearing, please follow Lisa Grelnick on LinkedIn. Visit future-of.xyz or subscribe to the Future of XYZ podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.